everybody you're listening to Sudsbuds presents pints and pixar uh today we are talking the hit film luca uh i am your host today nate uppadel and with me as always in the studio we've got uh eric anderson Woo! what's up nate how we doing buddy I'm doing good, man. I'm excited for Luca. Yeah, it should be pretty good. I had never seen this movie till this week, but uh, it is a it's 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 an hour and forty two minutes of Italian fun. Italian fun. You love to see it, you know. You, you really do, and we hope you love to hear it because we brought some Italian fun today for your ears. Everyone thinks about food when they think about Italy, you know. Yeah. The the sights. The sights as well, you know. The, the Vespas. The Vespas. The, it's it's all about the the sights, the smells, and the taste. But one sense that is often forgotten is the sounds. So I figured why not start things off by uh, reading some... Some classic Italian sounds. Some classic Italian sounds. So uh, without further ado, here's uh, me reading uh, Italian jokes. Me, <laughs> <clears throat> me, 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 me. All right, uh, so Luigi and Paolo were out the fishing in the Mediterranean Sea when one day a World War II mine came floating along. Upon seeing the mine coming nearer and nearer, Luigi shouted to his friend, Hey, Paolo, it's a mine, it's a mine. Paolo replied, Okay, Luigi, you can have it. <laughs> uh, my girlfriend bet me I couldn't make a working car out of spaghetti. You should have seen her face when I drove a pasta. Uh, my friend told me he was going to a fancy dress party at Italian island. I said, well, don't be Sicily. <laughs> uh, speaking of Sicily, do you know that the rough part of Sicily is uh, called the spaghetto? <laughs> uh, why are Italians so good at making the coffee? Because they like to espresso themselves. Okay, got the, uh, one more, one more, one last one. Uh, why do Italians have such good mustache? Yeah, it's so they can look like the mob. Uh, thank you, that was Italian joke. You're like, you kind of got like a little rush in there for a minute. Um, but uh, you, you, you finished strong. That was nice. Thank you, Eric. Uh, what do you call a fake noodle? What's that? It's the impasta. Impostable burger. A knock knock. Who's there? Venice. Venice who? Venice, your mom getting home. <laughs> Very nice. Now you're just doing Borat. <laughs> well, speaking of Borat, Sasha Baron Cohen is in Luca. Yeah, that was kind of a weird one, but he was one of my favorite characters. Yeah, dude, you just knocked Miguel over. No, Miguel. Miguelito. Yeah, we got uh, we got we got action figures in the studio now. This place has become a full-on Pixar lair. Nate's got his uh, Funko Pop collection over his left shoulder. 
Yep, big, um, big into Funko Pops. Got a you know, this guy. Disgustingly large shelf of Disney VHSs behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, life-size Buzz Lightyear um, model. Yep. 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 Um, half-life-size Woody model. We've got a Tim Allen inflatable doll. <laughs> I don't think this is like a... I don't think it was intended for the purposes that we're using it for. But, you know... It's Tim Allen. It's Tim Allen. It's Tim Allen. It's yeah. tool time. Yeah. No? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's spooky season. It's yeah. Halloween. Um, Nate, you haven't touched your pasta. <laughs> Eric, Eric put uh, dried spaghetti noodles on the table for us today. Yeah. You Figured know? that since we're, you know, getting in the mood that we'd, uh, you know, have some more d'oeuvres. Yeah. Eat on air. Eat on it air. It always goes well. Absolutely. People yeah. love nothing more than crunching coming through their car speakers. Exactly. We're happy to provide that for you. Yep. Um, but yeah, spooky season. Um, you got any big Halloween plans? Uh, I do. Um, well, Friday, I got a party at my, my friend's place. Um, it is also his birthday. So he always tries to make Halloween about himself, which is a lot of fun um it's fun to see what he does there was one party in college where midnight struck the party was the 28th his birthday birthday is the 29th um so yeah we're at this party everybody's like hanging out in the basement playing beer pong doing the normal like college kid kind of shit and midnight rolls around and he had kind of like disappeared and all of a sudden, on all of the Bluetooth speakers or all of the sound systems, uh, the national anthem starts playing. Because when he gets real drunk, he just likes to sing the national anthem and get as many people in it as he can. Um, and yeah, he made this entire house party sing the national anthem with him and then wished himself a happy birthday. That's, yeah. uh, that's something. Yeah. So this party... Um, Feeding into his ego a little bit, we are going to be, uh, everyone's going to be dressing up as a different version of him. He went through a lot of, um, it's, uh, um, redefining moments in his life. Mm. You know, he, uh, he was a well actually guy for a long time. Um, he did an emo phase, um, did a bracelet phase, you know, where you got like all the bracelets, like halfway up your arm, all the bracelets. Yeah, so I, I'm excited to see what people bring to the table for this party. You should just wear, like, Andrew WK's, like, daily outfit, but on the white t-shirt, just write, well, actually. I don't get it. Well, you said he was a well, actually guy. Yeah, but why Andrew WK outfit? Well, because it's just an easy outfit to pull off. It's blue jeans and a white shirt. Well, yeah. Sharpie, well, actually on it. Well, yeah, but I gotta be a version of Alex. But isn't that the theme of the party? What? versions of alex well yeah but like i feel like i could do more like everybody's just going to be saying well actually during the party oh i'm almost certain everybody's just going to be doing that so it's like a contest to see who can incorporate the most versions of alex into one yeah okay yeah well then what if you had the well actually shirt and then you had swoopy bangs and then you had a shit ton of bracelets on and you had like red white and blue apollo creed shorts on and then maybe you had like a, a bathrobe because you told me a story off air about the bathrobe. Yep. I think I could crush this. I've met Alex twice, mm-hmm. and 
I think I can nail it. You want to come to a party on Friday? Sure, sure. <laughs> I'll I'll just bring around a video game console and challenge people and then yell. That. that. <laughs> yep. Like I'll haul around like a micro Super Nintendo and ask if someone wants to play and just like improv playing a video game with no monitor and then shout at them. Yeah. No. I mean that would that tracks. Which I like that. I like people that feel like. I think like. <laughs> this is gonna sound really weird. Um, like when, when I get introduced to a friend's friend and by the end of the night they're shouting at me, I feel like that means we're closer. Oh, absolutely. If you, if, if you've gone from introduction to getting shouted at, you know, you're in the good, you're in the clear. Yeah. Yeah. If you like, don't know me at all, but know me well enough or think you do to like verbally spar with me, Mm -hmm. like, let's do it. Let's, let's play this game. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Especially if there's drinks involved. I am. Actually, we were... Uh, it's only on... Well... Yeah. We, uh... There's a Humble Bundle. I think it's still going, but it's just a whole bunch of fighting games. You know what Humble Bundle is? I don't think so. Humble Bundle is, um... It's a website that basically gets a whole bunch of Steam codes for, like, a theme. And then they release these at different, like, tiers. So you get, like, 15 games or 10 games for, like, 10 bucks. Hmm. And, like, the more you... You have to donate, like, or you have to spend, like, a minimum amount. Um, but then anything over that, you can, like, maybe get some more stuff. But uh, all of that money also goes to charity. Cool. So it's kind of a, yeah, it's a cool thing. Well, the Humble Bundle this time around was fighting games. And apparently they made a Power Rangers fighting game. Like, in the style of, like, Tekken. I think I remember Mortal this. Kombat. Was it like a PS1 game? No. Um, this is a pretty new game. It's still active. It's like online. It's oh, called Power Rangers yeah. Battle for the Grid. Okay. And um, I'm pretty sure it was designed or built for parents that have had to watch their kid or parents that have had to watch Power Rangers because of their kids. Because this shit's violent. Really? And, like, I mean, for one, you're just kicking the shit out of each other. There's not blood or anything, but a dude got stabbed in, like, the first cutscene. Like, straight up murdered. Are you playing through it now? Um, we were playing through it at his place. Uh, I think I'm just going to get the game for myself. Nice. Yeah. Um, but I could get it on my Xbox. Yeah, and then we can we can Power Ranger fight. We can duel. We can go-go Power Ranger. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, also, somehow, it's only, like, a gig and a half download. Nice. Like, I love whole, that. The whole game. Reminds me kind of like uh, Killer Instinct because Killer Instinct was kind of one of those rollout games on the Xbox yep. One. Like, yeah, Killer Instinct's part of the Humble Bundle this time around too. Nice. Yeah, I I really enjoy that game. Not the new one so much, but like I don't know. I've got a love hate relationship with fighting games. Um, I like wrestling games. Like I like wrestling and fighting games that are like more. Mm, like strategy based and less just like button mashing and like i don't know even like the memorization of combos i'm not super into that these days but i remember as a kid i played quite a bit of tekken mortal Kombat. um i don't know if you remember bloody roar from the playstation mm-hmm. one sure do um those were the big ones bloody roar i'd play as like the the white tiger okay yep that was my go-to. Oh, tiger with pants? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's a game not a lot of people uh, 
remember, but I remember that coming out on a PlayStation 1 demo disc and playing that thing till it basically melted. Yep. Um, that one, there's actually this one I was talking about uh, earlier this week, or last week, late last week. Um, it's a game that I only ever found at a campsite like when i was when i was out camping with my parents and like our neighborhood friends yeah um we'd always like track down a game room and there was this cabinet on there like dual cabinets kind of looked like um hydro thunder okay cool sit down dual cabinets fighting game but you are robots and the controls are just two like pilot joysticks huh and like there's triggers on both of them there's like a button up top and like if you like move one way you like slide forward left right you know if you're moving both together and then like you can do like different combos with that like moving the joysticks and certain things i think i know this game where did you say you played it at it was i think it was the old barn or it was like a yeah an arcade room at a campground there used to be one at a holiday in st cloud i think and um yeah do you know like gundam yeah was it in that kind of style yeah. those big like mechs very kind of like anime-esque yeah yes i remember that and like you could like lock onto people and shoot rockets and yeah and each robot strafe. yeah each mech had like slightly different abilities yeah man we should uh Keep that in your mind. We'll write that down at our break because I want to figure out what that game is because I definitely have memories playing that as a kid. I know what it's called because I did a bunch of research this weekend. What is it's it? It's called Virtual On. Virtual On. Okay. Yep. And can you get it for home console at all? Uh, they released like a, a sequel, I think, for Sega. Oh, okay. Probably the Dreamcast. That sounds right. All right. Well, homework for you is try to get a good emulator of that and get that on the Wii U. And then next week, we will play some Virtual On. I'll kick your ass. All right. I yep. haven't played it in probably 20 years. But, Same. Um, I was actually you... looking up, like, arcade cabinets. And most people were selling them for, like, 800 bucks for, like, the pair working. I was like, that's not out of the realm of possibility, and that makes it dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Well... I don't want to interrupt this conversation, but we're getting a live call on air, and this doesn't happen very often. Live so, call on uh, air. We're, uh... Um, hello, Sam. You are live on Suds Buds. Oh, man. Okay. Hi, hey. Samantha. Hi, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. Good, good. How are you? Um, how's your day going? Good. I'm just on my break now. I was just calling to see if you want me to browse for Halloween decorations since I'm thrifting. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I I haven't found anything cool yet, but I figured I'd pick it up and let you know if I do find something. That's very nice of you, Samantha. I I would love that. I trust your judgment. Get the the spookiest and the funkiest of of decor, and I'm sure it'll fit right in. Awesome. Uh, Is there anything you want to? I just wanted to check in. Yeah. Is there anything you wanna you wanna say while you're uh live on on air? All right, you heard it there. Stay spooky from Samantha. Resident uh, Suds Buds. Uh, Thanks, you too. Love you. Aw. Love you too. Bye. Aww. Uh, resident 
Suds Buds uh, fact checker, um, also resident horse girl. Samantha. <laughs> not, not really. <laughs> uh, a horse girl in Nate's eyes only. Well, I don't know. Didn't she? Doesn't she have a horse tattoo? No. Oh, she's working on getting a horse tattoo. Yeah, maybe. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. You know what, Nate? <laughs> um uh, uh b- back to video games this back is to video games one sure. last thing i wanted to say before we derail this show completely but uh yeah you just had me thinking video games arcades mm-hmm. um there is a game that i just want to give a cheap plug to right now called retro mania okay just brief synopsis on retro mania it is a wrestling game with wrestlers of past and present old stars future stars wrestlers who have passed on um pretty small roster but it is in that style of like 16-bit like super nintendo-esque um and it is a spiritual successor to um wrestlefest which was an old arcade cabinet but this game check it out retromania you can buy it on uh, steam it's available on um xbox and playstation um you can buy the arcade cabinet and i'm also plugging it because they have said that the dlc and any updates and stuff is all going to be dependent on sales but there's talks of doing a second part to the story mode and online play so check it out it's a cheap investment and quite a few hours of fun highly recommend it also fun pick up and play with friends so Retromania. Retromania. Um, anything else you want to talk on the gaming front, or should we? <laughs> should we? Wait, what are we doing here again? Uh, we're talking Luca, and mm, we also Luca. like to talk suds here. Heck yeah, we do. So I've got for my second week in a row my Black Stack emergency bottle opener. I do love that. And we're gonna crack open the conversation. We're drinking today. A beverage from New Glarus Brewing Company, an employee-owned brewery based out of Wisconsin. Um, yeah, New Glarus, Wisconsin. So, And the beer we're having today is the Kid Kolsch. We figured that since this is a children's show, uh, you know, what better beverage than a kid's beer? Yeah, exactly. Kind of weird that they named it, you know, Kid Kolsch. I mean, it is, if you see the label, it's got a goat on it, which a young goat is a kid. I don't know if you knew that, Nate. I don't expect you to. Eric, are you are you doubting my farm knowledge? Yes. That hurts my feelings, but it makes sense. I mean, you kind of look, you kind of look like a baby goat. You I kinda, look like a baby goat? You kind of resemble a kid. Now you're just trying to hurt my feelings. That's a compliment. Well, I mean, if you like baby goats, I guess. Goats are great. Fine. I mean, they're fine. They're fine. What animal's better than a goat? A lot of them. Name one. Mm, alpaca. It's oh. like a goat with a really long neck. Okay. Am I wrong? No horns. Sure. No Doesn't horns. have the crazy eyes. Crazy eyes kind of creep me out. Like the weird sideways eyes. Actually, alpacas might have those too. I'm not an expert on alpaca eyes. Goats won't spit at you. Yeah, but they'll chew on your shit. Yeah, that's why they're great. They eat everything. I mean, so do pigs. Yeah, but pigs, pigs are too smart. Mm. 
Eric only likes pets that he's smarter than. Got it. Like an inferiority complex. Gotcha. Well, what do you say we uh, (laughs) breeze through the synopsis? So uh, this one's actually, I mean, there's a lot to it, but like main points aside, it's pretty quick. Yeah. Or like just with the main points. There's a lot of fun detail in the movie, but um, yeah. So we start off, uh, what year was it? 1959? 59. 59. Um, there is, kind of start with a, uh, a sea monster. Well, you start with a couple. The opening scene is a boat going out to sea. And one of the fishermen being nervous about sea monsters. And the other one saying that sea monsters aren't real. And then we see a sea monster start sneaking up and grabbing shit from this boat. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then it kind of cuts, and then we meet, um, yeah, we meet a young, timid sea monster by the name of Luca. Uh, Luca is an underwater farmer, mm-hmm. um, a sheep herder, and uh, he's yeah, lives with his parents. Um, Luca, what well, I mean. What would you put him at? 13, 14? Yeah. That ballpark. Um, yeah, so he's out herding his sheep fish, fish sheep, and uh, stumbles across some human artifacts. Um, and he is no, or his parents have taught him to believe that the ocean is, or that the people on land are monsters. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the people on land believe they're monsters. So it's just kind of this, the the surface is dangerous, don't go there. Um, well, when Luca's out there finding more human artifacts on the ground, reminiscent of like a Little Mermaid type shit, mm-hmm. um, he gets tra- or gets backed into a corner by what looks like a person in a old school scuba dive or scuba outfit. You know, the big metal helmet, Bioshock type stuff. Yep. You know, stick with the video game theme. Um, and it turns out to be, takes the helmet off, and it's actually another sea creature. His name's Alberto. Um, Alberto kind of uh, tricks Luca into going up onto the surface for his first time, where we realize that these sea monsters, as long as they're not touching any water, just look like regular humans which was kind of a cool i don't know it was a weird thing but it was kind of cool yeah um but luca gets yeah too scared and he runs back off and goes back to his parents house um asks him some questions about the the surface and finds out his grandma goes to the surface every once in a while um and so he starts to get a little more brave and he starts to like sneak up towards the surface and eventually Alberto gets him to come up and uh, they start hanging out, palling around. And then they, is it because there's a poster on the wall, that's right, with the Vespas? Yes, correct. Yeah. In his, him and his dad's little hideout. Yeah. So in this little, in Alberto's little hideout, there's this poster of uh, Senor Vespa. Um and they both fall in love with Vespas, um, you know, the little scooter things. I'm not going to lie, they are a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, these kids, like, that's all they can think about. That's all they really talk about. 
Um, and also kind of through this, Alberto is kind of pretending to be an expert on everything, you know, has all the answers, but like all of his answers are wrong. Right. But like Luca doesn't know that. But Luca is kind of the spark in that moment where Alberto is showing him around his quarters and kind of just, you know, dreaming aloud of this, uh, this Vespa. And Luca's the one to mention, why don't we just build one? He's like, are you crazy? And he's like, well, you have everything right here. And that kind of prompts them to sort of, now operation number one is build a Vespa. And kind of a montage, if I remember correctly, of yep. a series of Vespas that they start to construct. Yeah. Um, so they start doing that and goes over a couple days. Um, Luca keeps sneaking away from his responsibilities to go do this. And eventually his parents kind of like follow him and see what he's been up to. And uh, when he he accidentally falls asleep up on land and then he rushes back home, his parents catch him um, and he admits to everything. And his parents decide to send him into the deep sea uh, with their uncle. Um, What's his name? Was it Ugo? Hugo? Um... That sounds right. That was the character that was voiced by um, Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, Probably my favorite character in the movie. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Stand out. Um, but yeah, so they're going to send Luca to live in the deep with Ugo because he can't get into trouble down there. Um, and, Uncle Ugo, you're right. Yeah. Um, in retaliation to that, Luca runs away. Um, runs away, goes and lives with Alberto for a little bit, and he's like, my parents are gonna come find me, you know, they'll track me down, so Alberto suggests going to the human town, um, just offshore, and so they set off for that, um, kind of start trying to blend in with the humans, and that's where we meet, what was the, what's the punk-ass kid's name? Um feels like it was a really long one um yeah it definitely was it was um was it uh, oh ercole ercole yeah e coli ercole um ercole Ercole. visconti yes he always says it very yeah very a lot of accents on those letters there yeah he's got a little pencil mustache and a striped shirt his favorite thing is to uh, have his two cronies watch him eat the sandwich. Exactly. Like, there's this <laughs> weird damn sandwich bit and that with is his what, character. That's what Pixar has is like his character synopsis. is like uh, a bully in Genoa that's many locals say is too old to enter the yearly cup, yet he still does. His defining characteristics are a pencil mustache and two cronies whom he likes to watch. Or whom like to watch wh- him. Whom like to watch him try to eat giant sandwiches. Yeah, like, what? It, was, it was like this, they're like, alright, we need one more thing for this character. Yeah. What if he eats giant sandwiches? I don't know. And they just ran with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we meet, uh, meet him, and he's kind of like, yeah, he's the town bully. Um, and he, we find out about this, uh, all right, but he has, he has a bright red Vespa. 
Yes. Um, and the boys are trying to figure out how to get their own Vespa now. Um, and then they find out about this, the Portarosa Cup, which is a children's triathlon. Um, children's Italian triathlon, uh, which is... It, it is swimming, biking, and eating pasta. So there's no running. It is swimming, eating, and... Swimming, biking, and eating pasta. Yep. Um, which is kind of fun. Yeah, I used to do the tries for a job, and like, this is just goofy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so they find out about that, and then um, Ercole? Yes. Yeah, Ercole uh, starts bullying Luca and tries to dunk his head in the fountain in the town square which would expose them as a sea monster. Again, like, if they get wet at all, like, they start turning back into a sea monster. Yeah, even though the fountain was just marinara, it's, like, any, any like, wet substance, doesn't matter if it's water, if it's pasta sauce, if it's blood, they immediately transform back to their... Wait, does that water. mean they don't have blood? Uh, just on the inside. Just on the inside. Yeah, yeah, if their skin breaks and they start bleeding, they become human. <laughs> Or, or fish fish gotcha where they are and that that's canon folks this that's is canon. all canon yeah that's uh, yeah uh but uh bu- 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 where was i oh yeah um but before ecola or ercole 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 uh before ercole can dunk his head into the fountain um he gets saved by julia um julia is just a a girl in town um also has been trying to beat ercole at this uh portarosa cup um and kind of takes the boys in um you know gives them a place to stay introduces them to her father and they have to work to get some uh money for the entrance fee um so they do that and then they enter the try or they start training for the triathlon um and there's some like there's another little montage with that. Um, but throughout this montage, you can it's kind of like a Woody Buzz sort of thing where Alberto starts getting pretty jealous of um, Luca and um, Julia's like relationship. Mm-hmm. And young love. Yeah. Not well, even love, really. No, I think it was just like, you know, well, we don't really find out till later, but like. Alberto's got abandonment issues, and so that's kind of how I saw it. Like, yeah, he thinks Luca's gonna just abandon him. Um, so then there's one scene where she's um, Julia's trying to get Luca to ride down the big hill, which is the last part of the triathlon, and um, Alberto just jumps on the back of the bike with him, and they both start going down the hill which means they're going too fast and they crash into a wall and they um, get launched into the ocean. Um, So they go back up on land and Luca and Alberto get into a fight and Julia shows up on the beach and Alberto decides now's the time he's going to reveal to to her that they're sea monsters. So he crawls into the water and then comes back out and Julia freaks out and Luca being uh, kind of a little shit, 
little, little b-hole. I mean, I'm not defending Alberto in this situation, but Julia freaks out and yells, Sea Monster. And then Luca pauses for a second and then yells out, Sea Monster. Yes. Um, basically just straight up abandoning his friend. Right. And I don't want to backtrack too much, but I think at this point, too, it's worth mentioning that Luca's parents are now on shore and they're in human form hunting for Luca. Yep. And also we've been introduced to now at this point uh, Massimo, which is Julia's father. And he's more or less kind of got Luca and Alberto staying in the loft outside of his house. He's not the most prominent character in the film, doesn't speak a ton, but he's kind of the wise parental figure for most of the film like when luca's parents aren't around we know that like this guy who seems kind of you know edgy he butchers fish and is a sailor and has one arm and a tattoo but like he's a teddy bear he's just like an old man with a cat that likes to cook pesto yeah and definitely one of my favorite characters definitely one that i didn't want to totally gloss over fair enough um love that dude. also he uh is hunting sea monsters yes i which... mean the whole town i guess is, sh- i shouldn't have really glossed over it the whole town is like their thing is like believing in sea monsters and trying to hunt and capture them like they've never caught one they you know right they just yeah it's like this constant running bit that they're doing i mean it's they're... a fishing village yeah exactly. it's a fishing village that also really leans on their um folklore their sea their sea lore yeah um anyway what was i with that um at this point oh yeah julia's seen alberto transform yep um and then they go back um so luca and julia escalate comes there oh yeah escalate comes and uh after getting offered another giant sandwich yeah um escalate comes and tries to capture alberto well, not even capturing him. He just tries to straight up harpoon his ass. Him and his cronies all throw their three harpoons in unison. And Alberto retreats into the sea. And I think Luca and Julia bike away. Yeah. Yeah. And they go back to Julia's house. Yep. Um, and then, at, honestly, at this point, which I thought was kind of weird. Like, Luca pretty much immediately regrets what he did. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he basically shows julia that he is also a sea monster Mm -hmm. and julia freaks out and kind of kicks him out of the house um so luca goes back to the original hideout where he met alberto and it's trashed um everything's broken smashed uh this picture that they he had drawn of them um on a vespa like torn up torn in half um and Luca finds Alberto up on the top of the tower. And we come to find out that Alberto, uh, he was actually abandoned by his father. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's where those abandonment issues are coming from. Um, and he had, yeah, he'd been there for a long time before Luca showed up. And now that Luca's there, like he thought they were friends, but he's still pretty pissed about it. And he wants to just escape. Yep. And so Luca decides that he's going to fix this. He's going to go back to the village, win the Porto Rosa Cup, and then with the prize money be able to buy their Vespa and leave. They can run away. Yeah. Yep. Um, so he goes back to the town. And um, as we know, 
the first leg of the race is a swim. Um, so he enters, yeah, first leg of the race is a swim. Uh, but obviously if he gets wet, he turns into a sea monster. So he uses that old uh, scuba diving Bioshock-esque suit to walk the race. Like I love this scene so yeah, much. It was a fun one. The um, um, Escalade, he doesn't actually enter this leg of the race, but he's got one of his cronies doing his work, and it's kind of his more stout and stocky friend. Mm-hmm. And he decides that the best way for his friend to get a leg up in this part of the race is by covering himself in olive oil olive oil so he can cut through the waves like hot knife through butter yeah and uh the result is it attracts all the fish and he starts getting bit by a bunch of anchovies by a bunch of anchovies which allows julia to take a decisive lead and actually um uh luca ends up taking kind of a, a lead over basically second place second place yeah mm-hmm. despite the heavy suit everyone else is swimming on the surface to there and back and he's walking along the bottom and on his way back it's kind of a race against the clock because his face mask begins to crack and with what this film has told us about these characters once they come into contact with water they go back to their sea monster form so he's racing not only the actual race, but he's also racing against time because he knows that if this face mask breaks, he'll survive, but his cover will be blown. Mm-hmm. And it does break, and he has to um, emerge from the water in this heavy suit, despite now being in sea monster form, and shield his face from the onlookers and the judges. And he kind of stumbles underneath the pasta table, takes his place at the table as he removes his suit and then they kind of go into the next leg of the race, which is the pasta eating. Yeah. Um, and Escalade is there for that kind of rooting on his friend. Um, Luca's there at the table. And so is Julia. Julia smashes the pasta, takes off on her bike. Escalade's friend struggles to eat the pasta and Escalade's kind of feeding it into his face, force feeding him. And there's even a line like that's not legal. And then, uh, Luca kind of figures out the pasta twirl method, which Massimo showed him early on in the film. Incorrect. Uh, Massimo showed Alberto. Julia had to show at Ah, the table. Right, right. So Julia is still competing, still trying to win, but she doesn't want... um, She doesn't want Luca to lose. Like It's kind of like this weird internal conflict she's having. Like, she wants to win, but she's still helping Luca along. Yes. Yes. And also too at this point, like it makes more sense in the final scene we'll get which we'll get to in just a minute here, but um Luca and Julia are really attached to each other, but Massimo and Alberto kind of also have this attachment. And it's not really explained, but I think kind of having seen the whole film, Massimo can he probably knows there's sea monsters or there's something off with them before, you know, he actually discovers it. And I think, I think he knows that Alberto especially has abandonment issues because he kind of, Alberto really clings to him from the get go. And it seems like Massimo kind of clings to him, whereas he kind of lets Julia and Luca run off and do their own thing. 
Okay. Whereas it almost kind of is like, even though we don't necessarily, I mean, there's the one scene where they go out fishing together, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, by the end, and we'll, ex- I'll explain it at the end too, but anyway, uh, um, they take off on the bikes after the pasta. Yeah. So they take off up this hill and as Luca's taking off, we see some rain clouds rolling in mm-hmm. and so they get up to the top as it's raining Luca kind of takes shelter under this like lean-to thing, um, and uh, yeah, he can't go anywhere because if he goes anywhere, everybody will see him as a sea monster, which obviously he doesn't want. So then he um, is kind of stuck, kind of trying to figure out what happens or what's how to make this work, and you see Alberto coming up the hill with a giant umbrella. Mm-hmm. I don't remember why Alberto drops the umbrella. Um, I think maybe it just like blows away or gets caught or something. Yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head either right now, but I know he loses it at some point and that blows his cover. Yeah. So everybody sees Alberto as a sea monster. Um, and... Um, Ercole, when he sees that, there's a prize or, yeah, a cash reward for somebody catching a sea monster in the town. Escalade knocks the umbrella away. Oh, okay. Because his friends are coming up, his friends coming up over the hill right behind Julia, I think, at that point. Oh, maybe that, that could be. Um, but yeah, so he's exposed and Er or Ercole. Yes, Ercole, and as he smashes the umbrella out of his hand, Julia takes notice, and that's when she kind of runs him over, or runs him down. No. Um, She knocks him off his bike. Not yet. Um, This is when... uh, Or when Ercole tries to get... um, So he's trying to get this prize money, or this reward money, and so he gets a harpoon... And he's trying to basically kill Alberto. Yes. Um, and so Lucas, seeing his friend is in danger, but realizing that he has to blow his cover in order to save him, he takes off down the hillside to grab um, Alberto, save him from Ercole. Ercole keeps chasing them, throws, keeps throwing this harpoon. I mean, as much as I hate the kid, he's he, he's got that coordination. Yeah. He's riding like a roadster bike, um, whipping this big ass harpoon at these kids. Well, even like earlier, they netted uh, El- Alberto. Mm-hmm. That was kind of how, you know, I think that was Ercole who threw the net too, or maybe his buddies. But yeah, they netted Alberto, and that's how Luca was able to like pick him up. But yeah, he's good. He's like, he's like a pro fisherman himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy. But like this whole scene, he's. Ercole's just straight up trying to kill Alberto. Yep. Well, and Luca now. Um, so, chase scene, and Julia, who sees these two in danger and sees, like, Alberto throwing this, decides to sacrifice her chances at winning the Puerto Rosa Cup to crash into Ercole mm-hmm. um, in order to save those two. And everybody kind of crashes, but... And, like, the whole town's down at the finish line. It's, like, one of those, yeah, those cliche, like, 
crash at the finish line, somebody barely won something. A lot like cars. Yes, exactly. Um, and the whole town's there at the finish line, obviously. And they all see Luca and Alberto in their sea monster form. And so they all kind of walk up like they've all got their harpoons and their nets. They're going to catch these two. And Julia kind of steps out in front, um, says, no, like they're not monsters. These are my friends. And then your favorite character, Galissimo. Massimo. Massimo. Massimo, who, yeah, the, the giant surly sea monster hunter slash Julia's dad steps out in front and is like i know who these aren't monsters these are luca and alberto and uh the whole town kind of just immediately backs off yep. uh, not immediately there's like a little thought and they're like eh, whatever he stands behind them and all the other sailors and harpoons kind of stand down like yep. he's kind of the the big sailor on the block big yep. fisherman on the block um yeah and then it's determined that um Luca and Alberto actually won the Puerto Rosso Cup. Their bike crossed the finish line first. They win, and they spend that money on their blue Vespa. Mm -hmm. um, a beat-up Vespa. Yeah, beat-up Vespa. Um, also, at this point, um, Luca's parents, who are on land, um, like they see all this go down, and they kind of realize that humans aren't necessarily monsters. Mm -hmm. they, I mean, we are monsters, truly. But... Um, yeah, they're not really monsters. They're not so different. And, um, yeah, then a couple other, like, townsfolk, like, remove their headgear so, like, they turn back into sea monsters. Like, clearly sea monsters have been living in this town for a while. One of which was the grandma. Yep. Yep. Or there's then those two old ladies. Those yep. weren't the grandmas. No, but the grandma blows her cover and then reveals in, like, the next scene that, yeah, I go up to town every weekend. Yep. Um, and I guess then we're kind of at like the final scene. There's a little bit of a back and forth between Luca and if he's going to stay or if he's going to go, mm. but then it's kind of revealed in the final scene, which I guess this is where I kind of want to touch on my theory with Massimo. Okay. Cause the final scene, we're at this train station, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And um, Luca's gonna, Luca's planning on going to school with Julia. Correct. Yep. Going back to school. So there's kind of this farewell thing. Um, Luca's kind of got his family's approval on the grounds that he write to his family daily and a couple of other small things. And yeah, they're going to send him off with Julia and he's going to stay with Julia's mother, um, in a different town and they're going to go to school. Meanwhile, we find out that Alberto is not going along. Um, there's kind of this back and forth between Luca and Alberto on if he is or if he isn't. And Alberto kind of explains that, you know, I'll be with you in in spirit but i've got to stay here and help massimo at the the docks basically mm -hmm. which that to me really pushes it home that like there's kind of this bond there that maybe in some ways alberto is a little more mature than luca and maybe you know as important as school is maybe what he needs more right now is a parental figure than you know some sort of a formal education off on his own, you yeah. know? And I think if he was to go with Luca and Julia, just the way their relationship was going, I think he'd inevitably end up being the third wheel or odd man out. So, and then I think he knew that going in. I think so too. And I think it is kind of like a victory at the end for him where it's like, 
Luca's sad to see him go, but I think Alberto's kind of, he's also sad to see Luca go, but he's content with having a place and kind of a new family, a mm-hmm. new home. And then, yeah, there's a beautiful scene where the train departs, leaving Alberto at the station, and they go through the uh, Italian coastal countryside, and um, yeah, there's some sun shining down on the rock where Luca and Alberto used to play, um, and Luca leans out the train car, it rains, he turns into sea monster monster form, and... It pans to the sky, and we get the beautiful fin. Mm-hmm. Finet. Finet. And, yeah, that's about where we leave it. Yeah. Good movie. Good yeah, movie. it was fun to watch. Visually, it was very fun. Yeah. But uh, what do you say we let this breathe for a little bit? Mm-hmm. We review this beer, mm-hmm. take a little break, and come back mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a geography lesson. Ooh. And some fun facts. Big Eric's geography, uh, geography hour. That's right. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it doesn't take an hour. Hopefully you cut me off before then. But... Oh, I will. All right. Yeah. But. Well, this one's your contribution day. You want to start us off? Yes. Um, the Kid Kolsch from New Glarus. This beer comes to us from friend of the show, listener of the show, uh, podcaster himself, a baseball podcaster. I don't know if he's still actively doing it but theo tollefson uh actually it's we've had a couple tollefson mentions now because sam did call in earlier <laughs> but uh yeah my my girlfriend's little brother from the show Aww. gonna watch some baseball with that young man tonight but nice. uh he is a uh, a writer uh, a journalist and a giant baseball fan and a podcaster and also a craft beer lover. So it's uh, it's fun seeing him discover craft beer. I was kind of in his shoes like five, six years ago. But uh, look how far you've come now. Look how far I've come now. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Exactly. So shout out to Theo. We appreciate you, man. This is a tasty one. As soon as he sent me the picture of the variety pack, I'm like... I knew exactly which one would fit in perfect for our finale, and being that we talked about... I don't know if that... What is this the finale? Well... I feel like we gotta have a wrap-up episode. We gotta have a wrap-up. I think we might take a two-week break, maybe come back in two weeks, record next week. We'll see if we can get the spreadsheet all figured out, but um, this is our 25th episode for 24 films, because we threw the bonus episode for Up in there. Yep. Um, But yeah, it's... I don't think it's hit me yet that we've watched all the Pixar movies. This is beer 49. Well, no, there's a couple. There's a few episodes where we did three beers, right? And I think a couple where we just did one big one. At least one, yeah. Maybe an off-air beer. Yep. I don't know. They're all in the show notes. If you're curious what we drank, uh, check out Spotify. We've got all of our um, closing tunes as well as our... um, beers in there which i was actually looking through the other day kind of fun to see how much ground we've actually covered in this what seems like a short time but, it does uh, but it's like yeah that's i mean each episode comes to about an hour and a half hour 40 in that ballpark and this is number 25 we've spoke a lot of nonsense out into the ether <laughs> um and if you guys are you know feeling inclined to listen to it it's there we appreciate you for it yeah 
And we appreciate New Glarus and Theo for this delicious beer. And O'Reilly Auto Parts. Gotta, gotta toss out O'Reilly. Which sponsors our first beer segment of the show each week. <laughs> um, O'Reilly. When you need auto parts. For your Vespa. For your Vespa. Choose the friendly Irish family. O'Reilly. <laughs> uh, Kid Kolsch. Kid Kolsch. I know where I'm at. Yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm very close. I'm going to give it a 3.8. Kolsch is not my go-to style of beer. I do like it. Spring, summer, fall is good Kolsch season. More of a Hef guy when it comes to wheat beers or Dunkles. Sure. But uh, I'm into it. 3.8, very light, very refreshing, subtly sweet, high carbonation. A lot of things I like. Just not my favorite style, but... Fair enough. A delightful beer, nonetheless. Um, I think I'm gonna be right around there with you. Um, I think I'm gonna go three. I think I'm gonna do three nine on this. Um, I definitely really like Kolsch's, um, and this one. Actually, you no, know we're going. We're going four two. Four two on this. Three point jump. Three point jump. Just um, like Carl Anthony Towns. That's what I'm saying. Or Luca and Alberto. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it is very clean. Very clean. It's a very clean Kolsch, um, which I like. Also, the high carbonation level. Big fan of that. Extra crispy, but it's got all the flavor that I want. And honestly, I'm sorry if anybody's mad about this, gets mad, but Spotted Cow is an average beer at best. But everything New Glarus does, like all of their other stuff, is pretty fantastic. Like, it bums me out every time. I think Spotted Cow is a, a very good beer. I just don't... It's not one I'm ever going to hunt down or drive across the state for. Like, it... Because it's, it's what? It's a, is it a Saison? Yeah, it's yes. a Saison. But, like, it doesn't give me any inkling that it's a Saison. It's pretty bland. Yeah, it's so like for the style, like I don't know what I'm looking at. Yeah, or at farmhouse. I'm pretty sure it's a saison. Farmhouse and saison, I feel get used interchangeably a lot these days. Sure, um, it's fine. Yeah, it's it's fine, but like this is fantastic. Uh, the the fat squirrel, that's fantastic. Two women, great beer. I had one of those last night. Moon man, also great. Like. It's just like why? Why is Spotted Cow the one? Like, why is that the one everybody's getting? Yeah. Why is that the one in the all the liquor stores right across the river? Like, yeah, I don't know. But either way, yeah, I'm giving this a four two. It's a very nicely done Kolsch. Well, there you go, three eight and four two for the kid Kolsch from New Glarus. We're gonna take a quick little break, and we will be right back with a. Italian geography lesson and some fun facts. Stay tuned. Alberto Scorfano. Luca Paguro. Piacere. Trollamo trombetta. It's a human thing. I'm kind of an expert. What does it mean? The, the thing you just said? Come on, I'll show you some more stuff. Mother of Pearl. You live up here? Yeah, me and my dad. He's not even here a whole lot, so I pretty much just do whatever I want. Isn't it dangerous? Yeah, it's the best. Everything good is above the surface. Like, what else? What's up, everybody? Thank you for sticking with us. It's me. 
er- Erico. <laughs> Do the little music cue. Ooh, should we that be our our closing song? My favorite, my favorite. Probably Mario lovers. Only fake fans. Only fake fans. Or that's only the favorite song of fake fans. Every time I play that on the Game Boy, Sam says it sounds like the the Seinfeld like bass lines. That's enough uh, bebopping for today. Mouth sounds. Yeah, mouth sounds. Welcome back to Suds Buds, home of the mouth sounds. (laughs) Um, Yeah, as promised, whether you wanted it or not, a little Luca-inspired geography lesson. So, You want a little uh, refreshment for this one? Let's do it. Let's crack open the conversation first. We've got uh, a DLA. Uh, it is a, part, a two-parter um, from Wild Mind. They did a German Pilsner and an Italian Pilsner. Um, so this Italian-style Pilsner hopped with uh, Hollertau, Middlefur, and Sapphire. Sapphire? Sapphire. Uh, Brewed and canned here, right here in sunny California, Minneapolis. Um, yeah, fun, fun little can. It's just the Italian flag, but like painted. Yeah, they normally do a pretty cool job with their art. It's always clean. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm Jonesing over here. Why don't you load Teacher Man up so I can? Teacher Man. Okay. See, Eric, this is this is how you pour out of a crowler. That didn't work at all. Yeah, you overflow it. A uh, cup of straight foam. Thanks, Nate. Didn't work at all. I, I I'm dripping onto my sock. Leave me alone. People listening can't hear, but I just put on my glasses and I'm taking notes all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> thought I was gonna do a lot better with that one. Upon the glass settling, I now have a cup of one third beer, two thirds foam, and it's all sticky. It's not sticky. I mean, I think it would be. You overflowed so, it. Look at that perfect pour right there. Yeah. Yeah. You had to botch one to get, you know. Well, that's why I botched yours, my dude. That's what Nate always says. I'm good 50% of the time. <laughs> That's like his go-to pickup line. Yeah, I'm good 50% of the time. All right. That's a lot. Uh-huh. I've got thoughts, but I'm going to I'm going to keep this thing this train of moving. So Luca is an American film about a very particular region in Italy. And I feel like when it comes to portrayal of Italy or Italians in American cinema, it's kind of always through like the same lens. It's very trope heavy and it's very just kind of one note. You know, it's kind of the gold chain wearing, fedora wearing, cigar smoking wise guy. And, um, Luca is not that. This is very much more a take on a particular region of Italy and not so much kind of this mafioso um, look at Italy that we're so used to. Um, I think if you'd poll a lot of people, you know, what they know about 
Italians and American cinema is probably influenced mostly by like Goodfellas or The Godfather, you know. And or this, Eric's uh, Italian jokes at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, or my jokes, maybe. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, but yeah, this particular movie is rooted in the life and the folklore from Genoa, which is a um, coastal city in um, Italy. And it is located off the Gulf of Genoa, which is in the Liguarian Sea. Um it's kind of this little cove kind of where Italy meets France and it's, um, it's in the Atlantic ocean and Genoa, basically if you know, you, you probably, a lot of people picture Italy as this, uh, a boot. And so if you think of Italy as a boot, like a tall ankle length boot, um, Genoa is kind of located where like the tongue of the boot would be. On the front of your ankle, on the shin side. Do boots have tongues? Like well, like ankle-length boots? Yeah. Really? I mean, yeah. It's, or not ankle-length. What would be behind your laces? Well, I guess I, guess I was more picturing like a zip-up on the side kind of boot. <laughs> Why? <laughs> That's what I pictured. Okay, even if we're picturing a cowboy boot. It, it's on, you know what a shin is and you know what a calf is. I do is. know what a shin one's and a One's on calf. the front and one's yeah. on the back. Yep. Uh-huh. This is on the shin side. Cowboy so, boots don't have tongues, though. I know. That's why I was, like, simplifying. I was taking the tongues out of it. I was going off of muscular features or bone structure. I didn't think this would be this hard to illustrate, <laughs> Nate. Well, I just want to make sure you're doing a good job. Do you want me to show you it on a map? I, I think I'm good. All right. So here we've got Italy, right? You see how it's kind of uh, boot-like? It kind of looks like uh, Florida in a way. Sure. But it's got a little hook at the bottom. So if you imagine this is, let's say it's a heeled boot, right? You got your heel here. You got your toe here. You'd go up this side. Are we in agreement that this would lead up to your calf? I mean, I suppose. So, yeah. So if you go to the front side where it would presumably go up to the opposite, the ankle, if you follow it up here, this little bay, this is where Genoa is. And if we go right over here, just a little bit to the west, you got France. Okay. So Genoa, basically, where it is in relation to France, it's basically equal distance to Nice, which is another coastal city in France, and um, Pisa in Italy. So okay. it's almost, it, it's very close to France. Um, and there's a lot of these cities, um, up that coast of Italy that, I mean, beautiful, you know, it's the architecture is similar in a lot of them, but it's kind of defined by these, um, old buildings built along the seas, kind of terraced up the mountainside, the cliffside, and they're often very rectangular, very square, um, um, painted a series of pastel colors. Um, yeah, very, very beautiful as far as architecture goes. Um, but this film really does a good job. I mean, if you just look up pictures of Genoa, this film does a good job of portraying what it looked like in the 1950s as far as just like how the fishing village look, how the docks look, the colors the vehicles they had down to the Vespas um, and even the folklore they had and some of the stuff we saw around the town with the fountains and things like that. So I guess what I'm trying to illustrate is that this movie is one that did 
a lot of research and it's kind of I mean this and soul are the most recent ones we've talked about and we did this f show more or less chronologically mm -hmm. um, maybe Pixar is going in a little different direction I mean both this and soul are kind of regional tales sure we talked off air about how they're both very dependent on their setting their setting and place plays a huge role in the the culture and kind of just the way the story plays out and yeah just from the characters speaking you know you see some of that like spanglish in coco you kind of see that here with them speaking some italian and english mm -hmm. also just yeah the folklore a lot of it is rooted to that particular region of italy which man it's beautiful i've i would love to go visit out there um I love coastal cities. I love dock cities. I love like the hardy working class people that you find in those places. I think it's why I love like the Bay Area and St. Paul and Duluth, um, parts of Michigan so much. It's just, it's an interesting breed of people that is drawn to those places. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess hardy is probably the best word I could use to describe them. And you see a little bit of that in this film too. And so I think... Maybe a sign of the times for Pixar. I think they might be going in a direction of telling some, you know, more cultural stories, maybe more time pieces. I mean, you even had Coco not that long ago. Coco, definitely. Yep. I saw an article yesterday that described this film as a perfect meeting of Coco and the Little Mermaid. That's kind of what their take on it was, and I couldn't disagree. I was like, I, I get it. Um... Nate seems like he has some disagreements. Yeah, I got some disagreements. Um, yeah, so I think that's all I had for that. But uh, with knowing that, we'll now proceed with the fun facts. Ooh, fun facts. So like I said, Luca, most recent Pixar film. It came out in June of 2021. And did you know that director Enrico... Casarosa. This was his directorial feature-length debut. He directed a short for Pixar, and he'd worked as a story artist on a couple of other films. Um, I think Cars was one of them, uh, maybe Brave. But uh, yeah, he based this film on his real-life experiences growing up in Genoa in Italy. So... Um, was he a sea monster when he was born? He was not a sea monster. Okay, but, I mean, based off life experiences. Um, but so much so down to the fact that Alberto was actually based on a childhood friend of his. Um, oh. He kind of refers to himself as being a very shy and reserved kid. And Alberto, or his friend, I forget what his friend's real name was, he did say, um, but he said in an interview that his friend was a lot more like Alberto and pushing the boundaries and a little more reckless, a little more daring. And he credits that with kind of getting him out of his comfort zone at a young age and really wanting to follow his dreams. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but moving along, did you know the design and animation were inspired by hand-drawn and stop-motion works of Heo Miyazaki's style? Casarosa. Uh, gosh, I'm going to mispronounce that so many times. Is Casarosa, but it just it's a lot of like S's and vowels. Um, described the result as a film that pays homage to Federico Fellini, 
and other classical Italian filmmakers with a dash of Miyazaki in the mix too. And I love the works of Miyazaki and I can see it. I can see it, especially in the backdrops. Moving along. Did you know the artists who created Julia wanted her to have a distinct look? Very triangular. Um, yeah, especially in her hair and her pants. She walks with a very triangular gait. She has a very triangular shaped hair. Uh, the top of her body more pointy. The bottom kind of wider like a triangle. Um, I don't know the significance, but I saw that on a number of sources. So, I mean, with how round everybody else was, I mean, it was it's like that classic style of like weird, weird oval head. You know, like a Hey Arnold kind of style, mm-hmm. but a little less, little less extreme. But like, it's not a bad comparison. Yeah, but it's just like a weird oval head, pretty much stick figure. Um, this next one, typical Pixar. Pixar loves their numbers. Did you know the sea monster version of Luca had three thousand four hundred thirty-six scales animated on his body? Wow. Okay. Okay. Put that in your pipe and vape it and animate it uh did you know producer andrea warren shared that the recording of the film called for an unprecedented approach quote it was an amazing sometimes bizarre experience she says we recorded everyone from their homes and mostly from the closets of their homes they were all so delightfully scrappy and willing to make it work during tricky circumstances uh actor Jack Dylan Grazer, child actor, voice of Alberto, actually recorded every single line of his dialogue in his mother's home closet. There you go. Film school secret. If you're looking for the best acoustics in your house, it's probably in your (laughs) walk-in closet, your broom closet, or your bathroom. Yep. Small, small room, hard walls. Yep. That's like as much as you could go for. Yeah. If you're... Thinking about your next big SoundCloud mixtape, credit me when you yeah. cut it in your bathroom. The, the closet sessions. Yes. Or the toilet sessions. You know, you do what you need. Yes. <laughs> um, do, 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 do. I printed this off too small. Did you know the sea monsters were inspired by medieval depictions of sea monsters that appeared in the Carta Marina, a Renaissance map dating back to 1539? as well as sea monster sculptures throughout Italy, seen on fountains, benches, and even mosaiced on the ground. So, back to the real-world inspiration of this. Did you know there were 221 and 223 individual controls on Luca's and Alberto's mouths, respectively, um, in order to create the rounded expressions used throughout the film? Yeah, that makes. <laughs> like at this point, like the numbers aren't even surprising anymore. It's just like, yeah, okay, yeah, two hundred, two hundred twenty some odd triggers, just to move their mouth properly. And we're not done with the numbers either. It keeps going. Uh, did you know that Pixar's signature A one one three, the number on the Cal Arts classroom where many filmmakers studied, appears on the train ticket in the final scene? Mm, there you go. And did we get a pizza planet truck in this one? Ah, it's coming. Yes, it's coming. yes. Give me two more. Olay. 
Uh, actually, it'll be after this one. Okay. Um, did you know that the number 94608 is seen as the train number in the film? And this is the zip code for Emeryville, which is Pixar's hometown. Yay. Here you go, your pizza planet. Yes. The pizza planet truck. You might have missed it, or you might have spotted it, but it is in the form of a Piaggio ape, which is a three-wheeled uh little weird cart thing you might have seen it in video games or on uh top gear i think one of the fellas drives it and flips it on there um is it like the one in like the first scene when they get to the town it's seen in the background of the race i think okay when they're in the downhill part with the bikes i have to look that up i did not see that because i saw the one like when they roll into town for the first time like there's the one like the car that's going up and parking, but it's like a pink car or like no. a pinkish pastel coral, whatever color car. This is on more of like a trike with like a cab on it. Like, it's kind of like if you can imagine the skin of the pizza planet truck, like copy and paste it onto like a buggy. Mm-hmm. It's got that. And then it's got the little rocket on top of it. <sighs> I can't uh, believe I missed that. It, it definitely is a blink or you'll miss it. Um, thing, but, uh, yeah, it's there. Let's see if I can pull it up for you right now. Um, yeah, because there was this one, um, like right when, yeah, right when they moved into the town or showed up to the town, like one of those like little trike cars, as you're describing. Oh, yeah, there it is. All right, it's I did miss it. The downhill. What's the the bad guy's name? Uh, Ercolo. Yeah, Ercolo. Which. Maybe jump in the gun. Do we want to rate him as a bad guy? I mean, he sucks, and I hate him. He's malicious, but he's almost, like, so inept, and he's, like, if you're going to rate him, you almost have to throw his cronies in there, too, because they... They weren't effective at being bad guys. They were just annoying. I mean, they hurt feelings, I guess, but that's as much damage as they did. Yeah, he's no syndrome. And he's probably only a few years younger, but he still like falls into the class of being like a minor. So it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, again, like he sucks. Don't get me wrong. He's a shit kid, but what did he actually do? I I mean, granted he did try to kill Alberto like a few times when he was a sea monster and he's a sea monster. Well, but then there was that scene where he's like beating up Alberto in that alley and then Luca had to grab the harpoon and like, oh yeah, lock him off. That was a weird scene. Yeah. But either way, I don't know. I don't think. I think if you just straight up removed him from the movie, the movie still would have happened the exact same way. Right. Or very similar. Hmm. So I don't think he was integral to the story. Well, there you go. Yeah. Ercolo, not a bad guy. Just a shithead. Just a shithead. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving along. Did you know all the background kid voices that you hear in this film are actually local Italian children that were recorded? So. Okay. There you go. Okay. 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 Uh, did you know Mystique from X-Men was a reference for the transformation from sea creature to human and back? Which I saw that and I'm like, yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. Like where it all kind of like pops up 
Like, there's a little movement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was very well animated. Yeah. Not always consistent, because sometimes they'd, like... And, like, the scenes where they're, like, diving in and out of the water, they'd emerge from the water and immediately be human. But then yeah. it would also, like, stop raining, and they'd still be, like, wet and, like, sea monsters. Like, at the end, it had stopped raining for, like, a good minute, and everyone's, like, still sea monster. Yeah, I think the only thing that kind of helped me through, like, the diving scene, or, like, the swimming and jumping over and out of the water, is, like, it kind of looked like they, like, shook themselves off when they were in the air. Um and then they'd hit the water again. Yeah. Because, like, when it was raining, like, they didn't make any effort to, like, dry themselves off. But, like, when they jumped out of the water in that scene where they're swimming to, to, um, um, Genoa, mm-hmm. like, they immediately snap between human and sea creature, but when they originally emerge from the water, it's like a slow, like, wipe. Sure. But like I said, it like it when they're in the air, like, it almost looks like they shake the water off. Yeah, because you see a lot of the water like fall off. But another small part similar to that that I kind of had issue with is they put on like they put on the human clothes, right? But like they get out of the water. I don't know about you, if you've ever been in water while you're clothed, like fully clothed, that shit don't dry off instantly. No. So like. I don't know the rules here. Yeah. But, like, that was a hard one. A little weird. Yeah. But, again, it's a kid's movie. Um, did you know the animation team researched how iguanas move underwater for ideas about how the movie monsters would realistically swim? Huh. Uh, did you know another major inspiration for the film was the classic coming-of-age film Stand By Me? I don't know that I've seen that. It's a good one. Uh, River Phoenix. Uh, River Phoenix. Ah, um, uh, yes, the classic River Phoenix, River Phoenix duo. Um, Kiefer Sutherland. Um, the kid from Star Trek. Uh, Will Wheaton. Um, Jerry. It's a, it's, a, it's a good Stephen King movie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Check it out. I'll check it out. All right, this is uh, the one I'm going to close it out with. So this is kind of a loaded one, but uh, a lot of fan theories came out about this film. Um, this movie was released in 2021, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people that saw this film thought it was kind of Pixar's take on the LGBTQ community, community and kind of a film for them on just like acceptance and... Um, being closeted and coming out and coping and being viewed differently by society. And there was also theories that it was a take on um, like a pro refugee take by an American filmmaker. And basically the director of the film, um, Enrico Casarosa, he came out and he kind of said, basically, it, it, it's kind of a broken quote. I copy and pasted it, but it was, he almost got kind of emotional where mm-hmm. he kind of is like, this is simply a film about me. Like more or less, I wrote this film. I wrote Luca as kind of myself and kind of that 
coming of age summer as a kid you know summer before love almost i think is what he said mm-hmm. um and just these friendships that you make that you think are going to last a lifetime but then they don't but they still hold meaning and all this stuff and he kind of said that he didn't write it with the intention of taking a stance on refugees or um homosexual individuals but he did kind of embrace that notion and be like this is a movie that you know, is kind of a love letter to my childhood growing up, but also like a movie that is very much there that is open to interpretation, you know, embrace it for what you will, as long as it's for a good cause. And I think there's a lot of people that, you know, they hold their films too close to their art or, or too close to their heart, or they hold their art too close to their art in general. Mm-hmm. And his kind of thing was, here's what this movie's about. If you think it's about something else, I encourage you to, you know, give it that meaning or take that meaning from it. So sure, thought it was kind of a cool stance. Yeah, I, I mean, the the LGTB, I that, I guess I kind of see the refugee thing. I, I mean, I don't think that tracks at all. A lot of the stuff I, I saw was in that. reference to the final scene. And also sure. kind of, like, in being in hiding and stuff. Um, well, yeah, but, like, it was... I don't know. I feel like that's a bit of a walk to get there. Yeah. Um, as far as, like, acceptance for who you are, sure. Um, but I think that's kind of stacking on a little more meaning than... Definitely than I got from it. Not calling myself the end-all, be-all film critic here. But, like, I I didn't get that from this movie. I, I don't disagree with you. It wasn't where my mind went. But I did think it was kind of cool that, you know, upon having that brought up to the director, he didn't really dispel it. He was just kind of like, yeah, that's not what I was thinking. But if that's what you got, then I, I encourage you. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's kind of the thing is you don't necessarily need to take inspiration from where it was intended. Yeah. Like, that's not necessarily how that works. So, like, great. If that inspires you to be more yourself, that's awesome. But, like, yeah, definitely not what I got out of the movie. Right. I just think it's kind of, it's different where today we've got a lot of, especially mainstream artists who create something and don't really disclose the meaning behind it, Mm -hmm. but then are so quick to criticize people's interpretations of it yeah you know what i mean yeah and that's become like a super common thing where a song gets released that's kind of cryptic and people come up on like a subreddit and give it a meaning and then the artist comes out and is like no absolutely you not. know and it's you're like, wrong but i won't tell you why exactly it's, yep. it's pretty petty like yeah you you as an artist don't need to tell us where that art is coming from but also like middle finger to you if you're gonna shit on people for giving it their own meaning like, yeah uh yeah that's that's me on my soapbox there you go classic soapbox but that is all i got for fun facts i'm gonna keep it moving along because the music for this is there's a lot there but i don't have a lot on it you can dig further if you'd like but uh music for luca was composed by dan romer it was his first for pixar um don't know a lot about dan romer but uh yeah he was the composer and the soundtrack is loaded it features a lot of music specifically from italian artists we have songs by 
Oh, man. This is going to be my hardest part of the job today. Mina. Eduardo Bonato. Gianni Morandi. Rita Pavone. Quartetto Cetra. And excerpts from operas by Giacomo Puccini and Giacchino Rosini. So, some more modern and some more classical Italian music to really kind of bring it home with where this film is all rooted and coming from. But uh, that's the end of my show notes for today. That's what we got. So, what do you say we... I'll let you choose this. Do you want to rate the beer first? Do you want to rate the film first? Let's do the beer and then we'll go to the film. All right. Can I get a little top off of this? Yeah, for sure. Preferably not poured over the Zoom. Well. Not that he did it earlier. Just clarifying. So, yeah. So Dave is not in studio. <laughs> Nate did not ruin the recorder. I did not ruin the recorder. As you can tell by our beautiful voices. Um, He said it. Yeah. <laughs> and I meant it. Um, all right, so yeah, Idile coming in at uh, does it not have ABV on this bad boy? I thought that was a requirement. No, oh, 5.0, 5.0 ABV. I'm not crazy about it, if I'm gonna be honest. I thought you were gonna give it a 5.0 for a rating. No, no, um. It is good. It's kind of strangely bready. Like, are you getting that? No. No? I don't know. It, um... There's a lot there. But it's... Bland isn't the word I want to use. Monotone, maybe? Hmm. Like, I guess with, with Pilsners, I just kind of expect them to be little crispier a little more lively um not like flavor profile wise i guess just i don't know it feels heavy it feels heavy for a pilsner you know what i'm picking up mainly Hmm. i think it's got a gnarly hot burn to it for a pilsner i like a pilsner that has like that kind of florally hot profile to it that just like touch a bitterness on the tongue that kind of dissipate and finishes nice and clean high Mm. carb you know just a little i I like to use the word zip on those light beers with the carbonation that little zip on your tongue kind of like what you get from the first sip out of a can of seven up sure you know and this to me is like almost verging on like american pale ale territory where maybe that's where you're getting that bready from i can kind of see it but like the most prominent note i'm picking out is just kind of a general bitterness it's not particularly like piney or dank sorry i'm throwing out just (laughs) fucking hot button words but i to me it's like soapy it's got like a soapy bitterness it's got a it's got a hot burn like Mm -hmm. it's got an aftertaste that isn't pleasant and it lingers on my tongue but it's not like it's not like that taste that I like from a West Coast. It's not that taste I like from like an American pale ale or an English style pale ale. It's just like, I'm, I don't know if I want to say it's an off flavor because maybe I'm not familiar with these hops or what they do. Yeah. But I've had Italian style Pilsners before 
and they've not tasted anything like this. So I, again, it it feels it feels weirdly heavy. Like it's very light in color. Light like, in color. Incredibly light. Probably lighter than the Kolsch. I mean, this right here. I'm gonna put a light to this. This looks like a Miller Light in a pub glass. Yeah. But like body wise, like it just there's a lot there. Like it just yeah. Like if almost I or- like a cream ale. Not not quite that heavy. But like it's just got a much heavier, smoother texture than I was expecting. Yeah, I think we're not loving it, but for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, like, if I got this off, I, I would probably see this on a tap list and be like, yup. Yep. Especially this time of year, I'd be like, or even a little earlier in the summer. Yep, I want that. If this is what I got, no cannon in front of me, no literature to read off of other than what's on the menu, I think I got the wrong beer. Yeah, that's pretty fair. I'd be like, oh, they just... They poured me up their house pale ale. That's that's what I would think, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, color, taste, carb. I don't think it's as heavy as what you're saying, but I think it's got a lot more of just a strong, bitter flavor than what I would associate with uh, Italian Pilsner. Sure. And Fugazi is one of my favorite beers. Maybe... Maybe all the Italian pilsners I've had up until now are wrong, and sure. this is what it's supposed to taste like. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a trip? Maybe it would be a trip, but I gotta grade it based on the criteria that I'm I know, um, and personal preference does come into effect. You know? Yeah. What do you think? Should we should we on this final episode give our ratings in unison? feel like that's not going to be great numbers but like sure all right yeah look get your rating figured out in your head right now okay okay yep all right so i'm gonna say three two one and then after one we'll shoot our ratings out there like one in time or like as soon as you say one three two one Gotcha. Ratings. Gotcha. Gotcha. I almost said it right there. I know. I know you were going to. I was ready to say it too. Okay. For real this time. For real. Woo. Three, two, one, two point seven. All right. All right. I heard a two point nine from Nate. I said two point seven. We're not far off. We've, We've always said great minds think alike. Yep. Um. It. Um. Like the weird thing about this beer is that I wouldn't, I wouldn't not drink it again. No, no. But like, I wouldn't drink it if I wanted an Italian pilsner. We've had more. We've had a lot of lower beers on this show. We've had some one stars. Dusty was definitely a harsher critic than you were. Yeah. Dusty rarely gave out above three point fives, and he shat on some beers mm-hmm. that I kind of had to apologize for. <laughs> Didn't want anyone to you know come after us, but yeah um no i think you're you're pretty nice in the judging category i think most of the time i actually come in lower than you do as i did here you said yeah two nine two nine yeah i said two six two seven or two seven 
yeah, with this one, like I said, it's not that I wouldn't drink it again. It's just that for that style, that's not what I want out of it. No. Like, I think if it, if it was like the exact, maybe the same way you said it, if it was the exact recipe and you just put it out as a pale ale, like, hell yeah. All right. That's, that's an all right pale ale. Yeah. But like, I came in with expectations that weren't really met. I think that's a perfect way to put it. Expectations that weren't really met. It's a cool can design. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be willing to bet, even if you were a beer person, it's probably a hop variety that you are not used to in your, you know, usual beer. We got uh, Hallertau, Millerfru, and Sapphire. So, yeah, I don't know. Wild Minds, check it out. Also... We served it quite a bit colder than I think we should have. Was it supposed to be served at? They recommend up to 50 degrees. 50 degrees? 40 to 50, so... Maybe we leave these last sips till we, uh, till we wrap up the episode. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh... Because, like, right now, I would venture a guess that that mini fridge where we're, you know... You brought it basically straight from the can cooler. Mm-hmm to my mini fridge and then it sat for probably an hour it's probably holding at 35 degrees yeah so yeah maybe we let it warm up yeah i like See, my beer real cold but i tend to too but if i mean if they've got a style recommend or like a temp recommendation on the can i don't know if all wild mind stuff does no i, I see actually, a lot with like 750s of beer sure that would actually be a weird imagine having it in the tap room you'd almost have to pour that from crawlers like you to do that not that you couldn't do it on tap but like it'd be a weird tap line to have well i mean you just pour it and leave it up to the consumer it's kind of like a nitro beer like guinness is served at almost every dive bar a lot of them on nitro yeah it's like you can just drink the cascading like milky foam if you want sure you know it's your beer you bought it or you can like drink it the way it's intended, you know. It's it's entertainment in a glass. You can watch it, enjoy it, let it warm up, sip on it. Sure. Um that's kind of I guess my take on it. Okay. But yeah, I think I'm going to let this last little bit warm up, see what happens. Have you ever done that with like a bourbon barrel aged beer, like a cork 750 where you pop it, you pour it and then you just table it for like 15 i haven't normally i just let the bottle out okay yeah i don't normally pop it if i don't have to i'll kind of do it like aerated almost like wine okay where i'll pop the cork i'll pour the glass and i'll just put it on the table eric you know how i love my bubbles and if it's a good beer they'll still be there what it'll do is it'll almost give it like that slow pour effect where you'll get that little bit of lacing and then the head will recede, but just a little bit, but it'll be nice and solid, almost kind of have like a gelatinous quality. Mm. And then you just top it off a little bit. That's like how I like enjoying like an oatmeal stout or something bourbon barrel aged in like December. Okay. I'm becoming a, a seasonal drinker in my, my later <laughs> years, I guess. A seasonal. And by seasonal, he means drinking whatever's in season. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I only drink beer in December. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess that might be a new fun fact that people didn't know. We've recorded all of these episodes in December. Yep. Yeah. I am stone cold sober Steve Austin 11 months out of the year. 
He's uh, he's stone cold stunnering two Lacroix at a time. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Pample Moose, Pam- mm. Pample Moose or Die. Pample Moose. What the f- is that a flavor? Yeah. I hate that name. No, you love it. No. What is? What's the flavor? We're gonna drink a Pample Moose. I will not drink. A pample We're gonna drink a Pample Moose on air. I'm I'm not doing it. I won't Stay do t- it. Wait, I need you to fill while I go grab a Pample Moose. <laughs> I don't know what a pample mousse is oh, like. We're about to get down on this shiz. Like, I get like the dessert mousse, but what is? I don't. Even, I've never even heard the word pample. Like I'm thinking, plum maybe. But like, what color is the can? What color is this can? Uh, it's a, it's a beautiful kind of like. Like a gold. Yacht rock, like pink and orange and green and. And the flavor is pample moose. Not to be confused with pommel horse. Pample moose. What the fuck is this? Nate. I don't like this, Eric. To this day, I have never had a LaCroix that I liked. So we're about to find out here. I mean, it tastes like... Like worse ginger ale? No, no. Try it again. You know what it is. Is that grapefruit? Yeah. Hmm. Cool. It's not the worst thing you've ever had. It's not the worst thing I've ever had, but I would never pay money for it. Well, popular opinion and mine, it's the best flavor of LaCroix. Why is it called? Is that like... A different language for grapefruit i mean i think san pellegrino calls grapefruit pompelmo what the fuck is sample pample moose pample mo- i'm gonna look this up all right let's let's get into movie ratings before i get too hot all right i'll give my movie rating here um luca i really enjoyed it it's different from pixar but if this is the direction they're heading i like it it's far from the worst i've seen it's also far from the best. Um, I think it's a good one to close on. I think, you know, the final scene, while it didn't get me choked up like a lot of Pixar films did, I was watching that final scene thinking, man, what a fitting end scene for, like, the final film in the Suds Buds Presents Pixar. I mean, just kind of the beautiful train ride. Like, I'm like, this really is the you know the where next you know mm-hmm. where where does this show bring us to next we got one more episode at least of like wrap up stuff and good housekeeping but um yeah i thought it was a fitting a fitting one to close out with so all that being said um i'm putting it at number 14 which is just behind incredibles number 2 and just above good dinosaur it actually takes good dinosaur's place so really liked it. I would say the things that stood out to me the most were the relationship between Alberto and Luca and Julia. I thought it was really well done. I really liked the character of Massimo and his beloved cat. Love that cat. And I really liked the colors both on ground and under the sea. I thought the color palette for this film was... Um, you could tell there's a lot of thought put into it. And I thought this movie kind of just seemed to take place at golden hour, like almost the entire time. And I really loved that. I think stylistically it was uh, 
a bold move that really paid off and really set the scene well. So number 14 out of 24 films. Nice. Um, I'm going to go a little bit lower. Uh, I think I'm putting it at number 16, um, which would put it pretty sure behind Incredibles 2, if I remember right. Um, but I did, I did really like the movie. Um, some of my problems kind of stem from the same issues I had at, with soul, um, where this movie didn't really take you anywhere. You know what I mean? Like this was just, it was just in the city. Like the whole sea creature thing like was kind of fun but i do wish that they would have done a little more with that um like a little more exploring that world like i like to see the worlds that we have to explore that like aren't part of our own Mm -hmm. i like to see those ideas and this one was i mean it was cool seeing the town and you're right it was very pretty um a lot of really fun colors but it just yeah it didn't didn't give me really anything new i guess it was some kids trying to win a race not that it was bad um i liked yeah i liked the sets i liked the songs um the animation was fun kind of uh reminded me of like wallace and gromit um you know where like their their mouths are the same shape as their head (laughs) yes um but yeah again it was a good movie but yeah i'm gonna put it at like 16 so not my favorite there you go but i mean we're also talking 24 movies and they're all pixar movies so like you take that like these numbers it's, it feels weird you're like oh that people are gonna think i hated it and like i'm i'm putting it up against like toy story ratatouille like yeah you can't those are behemoths. Even the bottom of the list are like fantastic films. Yeah. Like I think I've got Bugs Life at 18. Yeah. I don't hate Bugs Life. It's just not my favorite Pixar film. Exactly. We're, we're dealing with a pretty heavy roster right now. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there it is. There it is. Realer words haven't been spoken on this show. There it is. There's, there's all the Pixar movies. That's we did it. We got through all of them. As of now, every film has a review from us. We've drank beers for all these films. We've tried to pair them as best we could. A little homework assignment each week. Yep. The people at Ambibulous have been very helpful. Really? Yes. That's awesome. I know uh, I, I started out buying the beers pretty heavy on the front of this show, and then you kind of took it over on the back end. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, having Ambibulous literally on my way here to, yeah. That's pretty convenient. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, it uh, oh, it's it's been a trip. Well, I'm, I mean, whenever that next one comes out, I was wondering, are we gonna do an extra episode when a new Pixar movie comes out? I mean, I think we have to. Yeah. Assuming one of us doesn't like move away or knock on wood, you know, something bad happened. Like, I think yeah. Uh, got to do another episode i think you know for sure a follow-up on the ratings and all that stuff probably another follow-up on the shorts 
some shorts and then kind of want to do a video game episode i think that would be a fun one i think a video game episode would be fun i think it sounds like pixar's next film is supposed to come out in like spring or summer of 2022 march 11th there you go so we do theater and then we come right here what's it called again it's about the fox turning red it's about a red panda or red panda giant red panda um yeah whenever she gets too excited stressed out whatever she accidentally turns into a giant red panda there you go i think that'd be that's a that's a fun story i'd imagine i did watch the trailer it looks like it looks pretty fun starring sandra oh big fan of her cool i'm i'm here for it but uh in the meantime check out our instagram suds buds pod also, feel free to shoot us an email if you appreciate what we do, because we sure appreciate you guys for listening. That's all we ask you to do. But if you want to go above and beyond, send us a nice message. That's sudsbudspod at gmail.com. We appreciate it. S-U-D-Z-B-U-D-Z-P-O-D at gmail.com. And that's all she wrote. 25 episodes, 24 films in the bag. Woohoo! Until next time, I've been Eric Anderson, and this has been Nate Up Padel. We are the Suds Buds, and we appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening.
Ad incontrare noi 